You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Lithuania sustains a major DDoS attack. Lessons from NotPetya? Conti's brand appears to have gone into hiding. Online extortion now tends to skip the ransomware proper. Josh Ray from Accenture on how social engineering is evolving for underground threat actors. Rick Howard looks at chaos engineering. And U.S. financial institutions conduct a coordinated cybersecurity exercise. the CyberWire studios at Datatribe. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, June 27th, 2022. Lithuania this morning announced that it has sustained a distributed denial of service attack. Reuters quotes Lithuania's National Cybersecurity Center to the effect that further attacks of this kind are expected. They say, It is very likely that attacks of similar or greater intensity will continue in the coming days, especially in the transportation, energy, and financial sectors. The nominally hacktivist Russian group Killnet, responsible for earlier DDoS attacks against Italian targets, claimed responsibility for the incident. A group associated with Killnet, the Cyber Spetsnaz, last week threatened Lithuania with cyber attacks should it persist in its policy of restricting rail delivery of embargoed goods to Russia's non-contiguous province, Kaliningrad. It's now been five years since the GRU hit Ukraine with NotPetya pseudo-ransomware in a campaign that was marked by a degree of indifference to the damage done to other countries in the course of the attacks, It moves one to the conclusion that the international consequences of the malware weren't so much collateral damage as side benefit. CSO reviews some of the major lessons from NotPetya. The campaign showed that ransomware, and wiper malware representing itself as ransomware, could serve as an effective weapon, and the GRU was willing to use it as such. Adam Flatley, director of threat intelligence at Redacted, commented, It's interesting that the Russians are being a little more careful this time with their cyber attacks, but that's only constrained by their desire to be careful. The technology is still there for them to easily change the setting and let it loose if they wanted to. Computer Weekly looks at the results Anonymous has obtained so far in its Op Russia hacktivist campaign, and it finds that they've generally been more consequential than had been generally expected although, of course, falling short of the devastation Anonymous customarily threatens. Your Anon News tweeted, The Anonymous Collective is officially in cyber war against the Russian government. 
That was hours after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The scope and sweep of the attacks, mostly defacements, doxing, and DDoS, have been surprising, and potential targets of hacktivism elsewhere are considering how they might harden themselves against similar operations. Conti seems to have retired as a brand, bleeping computer reports that the gang shut down its data leak and negotiation sites last Wednesday, and they seem to have remained down, at least for the rest of the week. Observers read this as the retirement of the brand, not the retirement, still the reform, of the criminals behind it. Bleeping Computer writes, Some of the ransomware gangs known to now include old Conti members include Hive, Avos Locker, Black Cat, Hello Kitty, and the recently revitalized Quantum Operation. Other members have launched their own data extortion operations that do not encrypt data, such as Karakurt, Blackbite, and the Bazaar Call Collective. The gang's arm attack campaign last November and December, short but intense, retrospectively looks like the brand's last big hurrah, except, of course, for its public declaration of adherence to Moscow's cause in Russia's war against Ukraine. Group IB describes arm attack as having hit some 40 organizations in the U.S. and elsewhere with noticeable effect. Assuming the Conti brand stays retired, the leading ransomware brand is now Lockbit 2.0. NCC Group's May Ransomware Report puts the leaderboard like this. Lockbit 2.0, Black Basta, a rising criminal star, Hive, and the rump of a retiring Conti. Bleeping Computer reports that OnLab has noticed a trend in Lockbit 2.0's attack technique. The approach is still through phishing, but the fishbait has changed. The typical Lockbit come-on now consists of a bogus copyright infringement notice. To see the infringing material, the email says, the recipient should open an attached file, which carries the hook, the payload. It's not unique fishbait. The operators of both Bazaar Loader and Bumblebee have also used copyright infringement claims to induce their victims to bite. The Register briefly describes a trend currently observed in ransomware attacks. Increasingly, they're skipping the ransomware. That is, they're not bothering to encrypt the victim's files. Instead, they're relying on the threat of doxing, promising to release sensitive stolen data if the ransom isn't paid. So, the trend toward double extortion ransomware, encrypting data to hold them hostage but not before stealing it and then threatening to release it publicly, is now often skipping the encryption step. It used to be like kidnapping followed by blackmail. Now, more often than not, it's just blackmail. And finally, major U.S. financial institutions, motivated in part by the possibilities of cyber attack that Russia's war against Ukraine raises and at the urging of the U.S. Department of Treasury, have recently conducted a coordinated exercise designed to help them refine their defenses and their plans for coping with a cyber attack. Bloomberg reports that the exercise included J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and Morgan Stanley. Bloomberg explains, It ran through five hypothetical threat levels, ranging from minor assaults to a full-scale onslaught on multiple banks and critical payment systems. The exercise is regarded as showing an unusual degree of cooperation and information sharing among competitors.
now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief security officer and also our chief analyst. Rick, always great to welcome you back. Hey, Dave. So I was reading the call sheets and rundowns for our discussion this morning, and I noticed that this week's CSO Perspectives episode is the end of Season 9. Man, this year is going by fast. God, I know what you mean. And we covered a lot of ground this season, too. We did a little Mm. InfoSec history. We covered the current state and future of software bill of materials. We did some identity stuff about single sign-on and two-factor authentication and software-defined perimeter. And... We talked about the current state of intelligence sharing today. And at the end, the last episode we did was a cyber sand table exercise for the colonial pipeline attacks of 2019. And oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. I think you should take the rest of the year off, right? I, okay, <laughs> I will bring that up with my boss. <laughs> so what do you have in store for us in your season finale here? So have you ever heard of a resilience program called Chaos Monkey? Yes, yes, I have. That is... Uh, that is Netflix, right? Where they yeah. they sort of, uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. They, they <laughs> randomly go in and like blow things up and, and to test their resilience, to make sure that their engineers have engineered in enough resilience so that basically no matter what happens, customers won't notice that, that things have happened. Am I on the right track there? Yeah, you know, and that's what I thought too until I did a deep dive here. And But it turns out, as with most things in cybersecurity, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Hmm. Netflix and other big Silicon Valley companies like LinkedIn and Google and Microsoft and a bunch of others invented this thing called chaos engineering as an advanced resilience discipline designed to discover potential systemic weaknesses in their deployed architecture that they didn't Hmm. know about before. So chaos engineering emerged because in the last 15 years, these organizations find themselves running gigantic systems of systems with thousands of dependencies that no human can keep track of in their heads. So chaos engineering is a response to that situation where they can run carefully controlled experiments on production systems. I mean, they are blowing stuff up here, but they want to figure out 
uh, all the unknown areas of weakness that they haven't discovered before. So, hmm. in this last episode of CSO Perspectives of the Season, we do a deep dive on chaos engineering to discuss how, for the right organization, it might be a useful tactic for your resilience strategy. I would like to see a book or an article or something about the times when chaos engineering went horribly wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> Wouldn't and you, you know like they to... happen. They just don't talk oh. about them, right? <laughs> no, no. They're probably, you know, traded in, in dark, shadowed corners at, uh, at industry events. You know, the, the folks who sure. know know, but the rest of us, it's too dark a secret to spread around. That's very well, listen, true. But listen, before I go, uh, what is the cybersecurity term that you're covering over on the Word Notes podcast this week? So this week we're talking about Identity and Access Management, or IAM for short. And, you know, Dave, I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I like to throw a little pop culture references into the discussion, mostly to entertain myself. It's not for the audience. It's mostly for <laughs> let's, me. Let's be clear, Rick. It's only to entertain yourself. But go on. <laughs> so, but I got to tell you, this week I have outdone myself. I found mm. a way to connect my favorite Star Trek movie of all time, the 1982 movie The Wrath of Khan, Okay. Directly to IAM. How great is that? Uh, that is great, and I uh, concur <laughs> with your excellent taste in Star Trek movies. <laughs> I think so we're going to get lots and cards and letters about that one, but I'm okay. Yeah, I'm up for well, the challenge. I think it's a defensible uh, position, not exactly a Kobayashi Maru, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll live with it there. All right. Well, you can find all of this stuff over on our website, thecyberwire.com, where you can learn about CyberWire Pro. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Josh Ray. He is Managing Director and Global Cyber Defense Lead at Accenture Security. Josh, it's always great to have you back. Um, you know, I know you and your team spend a good amount of time tracking some of the threats that are going on in sort of that criminal underground. And I wanted to touch today particularly on social engineering and some of the things that you all are seeing evolving there. Yeah, thanks, Dave, uh, again for having me back. We are continuing to see the professionalization of cybercrime in the underground and specifically around highly specialized areas. And we've spent a lot of time talking about things like technical exploit creation, 
as a service. But really over the last three years and more increasingly over the past six months or so, our CTI team has observed uh, the increased availability of these socially engineering uh, as a service offerings on the underground. Hmm. And this significantly magnifies threat actor capabilities uh, and really ensures that this threat actor uh, has maximum impact. And you know me, Dave, I'm normally pretty even keel when I hear about these types of shifts um, after, you know, being in the industry for a while. But, you know, after speaking to my team about this, I really believe that this change will not only significantly improve threat actor capabilities, but will be problematic for security pr- practitioners and net defenders. Hmm. Well, can you give us some specific examples here? I mean, you know, social engineering certainly isn't new. So what's the approach that uh, has you concerned? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, and I think it speaks specifically kind of to the adversary tactics and what they're doing. So threat actors, you know, are, are leveraging this service um, across the uh, skills gambit. And what we're seeing is that lower skilled actors, uh, this obviously provides them a new enhanced set of capabilities that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. And they're investing in this as well. So for the big groups like Aconte or Laptis, they have dedicated department for this. And they don't just have one individual. They have a team with a dedicated lead that's really responsible just for social engineering. So they're very well organized around this particular piece. Hmm. We're also seeing the threat making um, more realistic, you know, socially engineered emails really kind of looking at the user awareness training, I think, and pivoting their um, their tactics as such. It's very well written, whether it's in English or French or German or Italian, because you used to be able to spot the broken English or something like that, and that was a dead giveaway. Right. But the threat has definitely kind of caught up with this and these tells that humans use to spot the suspicious email. Now, I, I've heard that they're they're getting their way into systems and, and taking advantage of, of people's, like even their calendaring systems? Yeah. No, this is actually fascinating and, and slightly uh, scary. I mean, and this speaks specifically to the timeliness of um, when they launch the attacks. So they, they will buy access through one of the many darknet cookie markets, uh, you know, say facility, facilitating access to an outlet uh, calendar. And now they have this internal visibility. So, for instance, we've seen actors buy the credentials to an email account through these markets. And instead of just spoofing an email, they send the phishing email from an internal email address. This is you know, social engineering from a genuine corporate account, which is a much more effective a strategy coupled with the visibility component where you can send it when somebody's on PTO or getting ready to attend a conference or has a you know important business meeting come up and you know, this has been one of the things that we've used to, you know, educate our user base. Uh, and we see the, that the threat is, you know, continuing to, you know, to pivot to counter these uh, user awareness trainings. Are they getting better with, you know, being able to, to use the lingo of individual organizations? Or have they upped their game there? Yeah, that's actually one of the most fascinating things. And it really complicates matters further. I mean, we've observed they've actually started to employ industry subject matter experts so that they can speak the jargon and understand the nuance of the business operations. And I like to draw the comparison, like much like we, you know, as, as Accenture would kind of tout our industry expertise, you know, they, they actually have the ability now to do that uh, in a way that um, increases the effectiveness of, uh, of the attack. Hmm. So now you have a, a threat that can leverage a highly specialized, sophisticated service 
uh, employing proper grammar across multiple languages, and then through the use of you know dedicated reconnaissance, they can target key personnel at the proper time based on their internal visibility. And with their increased industry knowledge, they make their emails much more realistic, and they can send them from a valid internal account now. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. I mean, given this new reality and how much they've stepped up, what are you recommending to people to best protect themselves? Well, you got to be great at doing the basics as always. And we've talked a lot about a lot of the, the technical controls, you know, such as pushing for, you know, MFA. And um, once again, you know, people are being targeted as the, the, the weakest link in that chain. And more specifically, you know, high-level executives and employees that have access to key internal business operations are top targets. Hmm. What they post on social media and what their extended circle and family members may post on social media can be easily weaponized. So not only staying you know, vigilant and, and increasing monitoring on your own enterprise, now you have to think about how do you extend that user awareness training to that trusted circle. Uh, and we've begun to you know, help clients think about things like you know, monitoring in the dark net, not only to get the intelligence on these available threats uh, and capabilities, but how do you think about executive cyber protection for your key and highly visible employees as well, too? So those are things that we're going to have to do to really extend that intelligence gathering and visibility uh, in conjunction with those technical controls, I think, to uh, continue to mitigate this threat. All right. Well, Josh Ray, thanks for joining us. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast where I contribute to a regular segment called Security Ha. Huh? I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Harold Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now.